0: The following is a Hoop Bowl presentation. Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. An excellent Tuesday to you all. Welcome to the program. This is Fantasy NBA Today, and I am your host. Dan Bespris, you can follow me on Twitter at Dan Bespris, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S, and this is a HoopBall presentation, a site that you can locate at hoop-ball.com. They are at Hoopball Fantasy on Twitter, and as I've told you many times, you should probably give that one a follow, because that's where you'd know about things like late scratches, which happened a couple of times last night, and we'll be talking about that shortly. It's a Tuesday show, so we'll give us a little Monday recap, a little Tuesday look-ahead. Nothing fancy on today's podcast. I don't have a whole lot of things to ram down your throat, so let's just dive right on in. No funny business at the front end. We got six games to recap on Monday. This is one of those weird weeks, as I'm starting to, to browse it, that the, the beginning of the week is actually kind of balanced, and then things get nuts. Wednesday seems like everybody plays on Wednesday. I think it's a dozen games on Wednesday night, and... Uh, only three on Thursday, so Peter's out. And then you got kind of a big Friday card again. So let's enjoy the middle size cards. I love these ones. The medium cards, these are my favorites. This reminds me a little bit, you know, I know it was somewhat difficult for those that were involved in it, but wasn't the bubble, for our enjoyment, wasn't the bubble great? It was like seven games every day, and they just ran them. They had no choice because they only had two or three arenas, so they had to run them sequentially all day long. Oh, I'd give everything for the NBA to do that right now. I know a handful of these arenas are letting fans back in, so they're not going to play a game at you know 11 a.m. or something stupid like that, but there's still m- many of them that aren't. They can play a game at noon. Wouldn't make any difference. Fake crowd noise comes just the same. Anywho, Houston in Washington. Well, we figured John Wall was going to get up for his return to D.C., and he did. But he was without about half his team. Victor Oladipo, out his foot. Eric Gordon out. PJ Tucker out. So they were down. Uh, I know I'm missing some. Oh, of course, Christian Wood, who's been out for a while now. So, you know, you had to look at these other guys. Problem, of course, is David Waba had a nice ball game. Jay Sean Tate had a nice ball game. Daniel House had a nice ball game. But none of these guys are going to be getting that kind of role when the team is healthy. And Boogie's kind of run out of gas a little bit as well. I mean, I, you know, he's still a decent st- streaming option here, but he doesn't have the energy he had when he was just filling in for two games or three games, whatever it was, for Wood earlier this year. So you can keep trotting him out there. I've said it a bunch of times. I'm hoping that one of those three names I just rattled off Nwaba, Tate, and House, can actually find themselves a cut above the rest. And it, it seemed like Jay Sean Tate was going to be the starter among those three dudes When the team was healthy, you know, House goes to the bench in favor of Oladipo. Nawaba goes to the bench in favor of Gordon. Obviously, Boogie goes to the bench in favor of Christian Wood. And then Tate still has the starting job, but he's going to need to do a bunch of stuff. He's going to need to rebound, pass, steal, not muck up your free throw percent. I don't know that any of these dudes is actually going to maintain what they were doing when the rest of the team comes back and, you know, we'll just keep monitoring them for now. If we found out that, that half the team is going to be off, on the bench again, when the hell does Houston play next? I think they're on Wednesday. Then, yeah, I mean, you could stream these guys, but when, I, when I've talked this season on the podcast about how I think streaming is more important this year simply because injuries are so prevalent, rest days are so prevalent, you're still looking for someone who's going to give you more than one good game. That's too much work. And you're you're kind of bobbing for apples at that point. You might just catch a streamer on a day where they don't really show up because they're not that great. Sometimes you get an obvious one. It's not always so simple. Meanwhile, on the Washington side, that's two wins in a row for the surging Washington Wizards. I am being a bit facetious here, but at now 8 and 17, the Wizards are three games out of a playoff spot in the Eastern Conference. So they're not about ready to fold yet. They're actually five and five in their last ten ball games, which a reminder of how terrible they were prior to that. And admittedly, they're not good, but I will say they are playing better than the Cavs who currently sit in front of them. They're playing better than the Magic who sit in front of them. The Pistons are eight and nineteen. They're the best eight and nineteen team I've ever seen. I'm not that time I'm not joking. And anyway, Bradley Beal took that day off for some rest. He's been great since then. But I think the bigger stories in this ballgame, besides Russell Westbrook having one of the ugliest triple-doubles you'll ever see, horrendous shooting again. I mean, he is... He's the anti-Nerland's Noel. It's remarkable. How can you go for 16, 13, and 15 and have one of the worst fantasy games in the night? That—that That is a unique and special ability. The... Stories of the game, though, on the Washington side in particular. Davis Bertans, who finally got it going. 18 points, 4 boards, 2 assists, 2 steals, 5 at 3 pointers on 6 out of 8 shooting. I'd like to see more shots. That's that's not enough for him when Westbrook has taken 22. Some of those need to go to someone who can shoot. And this is why Bertans was our one of our 3-by-lows on Friday. Kemba Walker, who came roaring in with a big line. Bertans, I mean, I... When you issue these buy lows you hope that the guy that you're talking about starts to perform in the next, I don't know, two weeks? It's pretty rare that they do it within two games. So that's cool for us. Westbrook was another one, but I don't know. You, you need a unique set of stuff right now. Although, he played in a back-to-back. So maybe that takes one of the issues, at least, off the table. The other ones aren't going anywhere. Field goal percent, free throw percent, turnovers, horrific. He's not the other story. The other story is Mo Wagner, who played 24 minutes and another start at center at 15, only three rebounds while dealing with DeMarcus Cousins. He's not a great rebounding big man, but he is a lot larger than the other dudes they had on the floor. So most nights he will sort of stumble into five rebounds if he's playing 24 minutes. What you also have to like about Wagner is that he'll get you between one and two three-pointers a game. He actually is okay... I'm not going to give him some grand ticker tape parade here for his ability to get steals. But if he's playing 20-plus minutes, he'll probably come close to a steal a ballgame. Four is unusual. He's playing a Houston team that had one ball handler and a bunch of guys that were going to turn it over, including the one ball handler. He's not a great shot blocker. He did have one in this game. He had one in his last ball game. But even looking at last year, remember he went on that little mini run he still was at only point four blocks in eighteen minutes a game last year. So increase that by, I don't know, whatever it is, three, four, five, six minutes. What does that get him up to? About point six blocks per game. He's teetering on the on the brink, though. He's close. He'll get you decent field goal percent. He's not a horrible foul shooter, although he wasn't good in this ball game. I think I'd still like to see him get a tiny bit higher than 24, but they're playing well right now over two games, and so they'll probably just kind of stick with what's working. Rui Hachimura had three steals in this one, and uh, that's not likely to continue either. He's more of a points league kind of guy. Chicago 120, Indy 112. The Bulls got their nice little revenge game over the Pacers, who just keep losing people. TJ McConnell got the start for uh, Indiana in this one, and it worked out great. He's been someone we've been talking about on the podcast for a number of weeks now, and he just exploded in this ballgame. Assists were down for the whole team. Pacers didn't shoot all that well. This was a game that had a ton of pace, really could have gone even higher than it did bulls had 60 rebounds in this game that tells you how many misses the pacers had to chuck up there and some o boards on that chicago side but anyway look tj mcconnell was good whether he's starting or coming off the bench doug mcdermott's absence is what forced him into the starting lineup so they're down a lot of small forwards and so finally they just had to move justin holiday up a rung. miles turner six blocks that's a nice game for him he didn't shoot the ball well but who cares Holiday was good. Lamb was fine in 25 minutes. Not great, but didn't really hurt you. And then Sabonis, who had a big old popcorny line with 25, 10, and five, and four blocks, somehow managed to kill you in three categories with a rough free throw number, brutal field goal number, and eight turnovers. He's fine. He is. Look, I like him. Sabonis. I like him as a basketball player. I like him as a fantasy asset. But he's generally overvalued in fantasy circles. He's number 53. Because his free throw percent and his turnovers are a big fat drag. He's a points league behemoth. Is averaging close to a steal a game this year? That might trend down. This game buttressed it a little bit. Boy, how good is TJ McConnell, though, lately? Good. gracious. He's now inside the top 100 for the year. Number 93 overall, and then recently he's just been blowing the roof off the place. So just keep trotting that thing out. There are a couple of storylines in this game, though, that are not just the guys who had big ball games because, look, we're used to Thad Young playing well on the Chicago side. Zach Levine had 30. Kobe White, 19-7-8, but no defensive stats. All of that stuff is predicted and normal. The things that I thought were interesting in this game, number one on the Bulls side, Wendell Carter Jr. back ahead of schedule, 11-9 and 9 with a steal, Four turnovers, weird, but did play 21 minutes in his return from a leg injury. So that's a good sign. Bulls desperately need size because Luke Cornett, Cristiano Felicio, and Daniel Gafford have not been the answers for this team. And yes, there is a a wide open lane for Wendell Carter Jr. right now with no Laurie Markkinen. He's probably out a couple more weeks. Tends to be a slightly slow healer. So, you know, tough to know exactly. But this is a bit of a minutes cap situation. I think with Carter Jr., you're going to see that trend up towards the high 20s, maybe higher until Markkanen comes back. And a few thoughts on that. Garrett Temple had a big ball game here, and that's fine. I mean, he and Denzel Valentine have kind of been rotating who's been somewhat successful for the Bulls. I'm not a huge fan of diving in on that stuff, but you can. They're 3-and-D, fringy guys in 9-category leagues. Thad Young, I don't think, is going anywhere. I had someone ask me if they should drop him with Wendell Carter Jr. coming back. And I said no. For a couple of reasons. Number one, he's playing too well. 13-11-4, two steals, six out of eight shooting in this ballgame. He's just been really, really, really good for a team that needed a veteran to guide them. He's number 82 on the season. That's including a very slow start to the year. He's been another guy who's better than that lately. I don't think he's a drop. I don't think he's even a drop after Markkinen comes back be perfectly frank with you guys. I think they're going to find room for Thad cuz marketing can space the floor. Those two guys could play together. Probably hurts Wendell Carter Jr. more than these other guys. Garrett Temple, Denzel Valentine, they probably play fewer wing minutes if I had to guess, which sort of is our gig. So I like that young, you're holding him until the wheels come off, if they ever do. What we know about that is that if he gets anywhere near 30 minutes of ball game, he's a great fantasy value. And he's been around there lately. On the Wendell Carter Jr. front, I expect his minutes will trend up. Presumably, anytime they don't have a back-to-back, they'll probably increase his minutes by two-ish per ball game. So you're like two to three games away from unfurling Wendell Carter Jr. And hoping that his defensive stats get back up closer to where they were his rookie season. That's part of why he's a guy that analysts have been high on. I've been middling on him, I think. Which this year is actually still too high. I haven't. I. don't think I've ever drafted Wendell Carter Jr. I picked him up off the waiver wire in one league because he wasn't playing well and he got hurt. So somebody dropped him. Not a huge surprise. So that was kind of interesting, I thought, with uh, Wendell Carter Jr. coming back. And then on the Indiana side, we actually got an update on a few of their missing pieces. No, not Doug McDermott. He'll be back in the not-too-distant future, I'm sure. Karis Levert who is recovering after surgery to remove a cancerous lump and TJ Warren who had foot surgery and the the reports have been somewhat conflicting because yesterday we heard that TJ Warren was rejoining the team which is a good sign. I think a lot of people read that as rejoining the team he's about to play. No, he's just he's going to start rehabbing with the team instead of you know outside with medical professionals and you've got all the bubble stuff to worry about. So not bubble bubble but pod bubble-type stuff with the NBA. So that's a good sign, but he's still weeks away. Karis Levert, there was a report put out by a Pacers beat writer, I believe his name is Scott Agnes, who mentioned that he thought Levert might be back in April. But then, Nate Bjorkren... The head coach of the Indiana Pacers, whose name is fun to say, and so we try to slip it in wherever possible, mentioned that Lavert might actually be not that far from non-contact stuff. That's pretty interesting. I mean, that's a, that's a big difference. I think I would consider stashing both of these guys, although I'm certainly much higher on T.J. Warren as an overall fantasy asset then Karis LeVert in nine category leagues. The fun of Karis LeVert is when they can just sort of turn him loose, and Indiana has so many guys on the floor that I don't know there's ever going to be that opportunity. He's a 43% shooter from the field, a 71% foul shooter, so he needs volume. Efficiency is not going to float him. He needs to be out there for a crap ton of minutes taking a boatload of shots, getting his... You know, In Brooklyn, he was getting 17 shots a game this year, A lot of that coming with guys missing. He was at 19, four and six. That's obviously more than enough. But if you dial him down, if he plays with the Indiana Pacers and he's getting, I don't know, more like 12, 13, 14 shots a game, it's not actually going to be enough. So I don't know that you need to go out and stash Karis Lavert. I don't know that the path for him is that great this year, but head to head leagues, he makes a lot more sense. If only because you could potentially punt turnovers and then, percentages fluctuate so heavily on a given week that the damage he does, at least during a long head-to-head regular season, is a little bit dampened in a way that in Roto, it just, you know, he has a 3-for-14 you know, shooting night. That's going to stick with you the whole year. Or a 4-for-22 or something like that. Or he had a game earlier this season where he went 4-for-10 at the free-throw line. That You can't wipe that away after Sunday's over in Roto. There's reasons to stash them both, really. Because if Lavert isn't six weeks away, if he's more like three or four, that's a huge difference. That takes you to basically the end of the first half. They have an all-star break. And then, by the way, it's actual halves this year, which is new and interesting. They're not going, you know, all-star break is like 70% of the way through most seasons. I think it's a little bit closer to the midway point this year. In fact, it might be exactly the midway point. But that was really interesting stuff coming out on the Indiana side. Suddenly we got reports on those two guys, and we hadn't heard anything for weeks. The Atlanta Hawks, they stink. They stink these days. Hawks are 11-16. and They've lost four in a row. Seven of their last eight, I believe. At least six of their last seven. They were a team that I had an underwager on, and when they got off to that rip-roaring good start, I thought, whoops, they figured this out quick. Well... Other teams made the adjustment, and the adjustment has been trapping Trey Young. Make, him, make the rest of the guys on that offense try to figure it out, and it's led to some beefier stat lines for Cam Reddish and Kevin Herter, who was quieter in this one. He couldn't get a shot to go down. John Collins has had some bigger lines lately. This one was yeah, not as great. Gallo's starting to get it going. Trey's been down. Trapping Trey, which is kind of a fun name, has led him to be, now he's number 49 in nine category leagues this year. If you drafted him a nine cat at the end of the first round, you were probably punting turnovers. Because it was going to be really hard for him to hit that marker on a per-game basis. By totals, there's always a shot. He's proven himself to be quite durable, plays through stuff. You know, he might actually play in all 72 games this year, so that'll rocket boost him up the boards. By totals, that makes him a much more enjoyable player to use in head-to-head leagues over Roto. In Roto, I think at least you were hoping for per game, or really in anything, inside the top 20. And I don't think it's getting there right now. His shots are heavily contested. He has to force it as a result, and so everything is down. His teams are just taking it out of his hands, daring other guys on the Hawks to beat them, and they're not. You know who's ahead of Trey Young this year? His teammate that everybody's been crushing. John Collins is number 41. He's beating him. There isn't really anything to do fantasy-wise with this team other than kind of ride it out a little bit, but the scouting report is out now, and the Hawks need to figure this out. At least Clint Capella is just clobbering everyone. He's number 30. Julius Randle went nuts. He moved himself up to number 44 with this whopper. 44-9-5, 7 three-pointers. Hard to complain, even though no defensive stats. It is still hard to complain. R.J. Barrett, that's two good games against the Hawks and not much against everybody else. Alec Burks is a drop. I think there's no question about that at this point. But a couple of names that are in between at the moment. Derek Rose, eight points, three boards, three assists, two blocks. Couldn't really get his shots to drop and kind of gave way in this game to Emmanuel quickly in the who is going to take the shots in the bench unit. And quickly, 16 points on 11 shots, so not super efficient, but four threes, two steals, five assists. Doesn't do much defensively. Very few defensive stats. Good free throw numbers for quickly. But the problem, of course, is that there are these holes in his game. The lack of defensive stats and the bad field goal percent is going to weigh him down. Even if he's scoring, even if he's getting some threes, a couple of assists, even with a really good free throw number, it's not enough in nine category leagues it is enough in points formats there's enough there and he you know he gets going so quickly off the bench that you can probably slot him into your lineup and you can feel pretty comfortable because he's gonna get to the free throw line he's gonna throw up some floaters he's gonna take some threes and he's just gonna sort of go nuts in his time on the floor But yeah, really more of a points league guy than nine category. At least unless something happens to Alfred Payton, which, I don't know. Nerlandz Noel had some foul trouble? Doesn't matter. Six points, four boards, two two assists, two steals, three blocks. Perfect three for three shooting. How do you have one of the best fantasy nights uh, on the evening while scoring six points? That's how. And it's going to get better. (laughs) Without foul trouble. I mean, yeah, just this is going to be a hell of a run. Philly at Utah. End of a long road trip for the 76ers. They put up a hell of a fight, though. No Joel Embiid. Tobias Harris and Ben Simmons went nuts. Simmons actually made 12 of his 13 free throws in this game. 42-9-12. and 12. Tobias, 36-10-2. and two. You guys know I love me some Tobias Harris. This busted him right back inside the top 30 in a big way. This is a huge, huge changer for him because he'd actually been kind of slowing down a little bit. Not a ton, a little, but his percentage has been so good this year that the other stuff isn't really weighing him down. He's shooting 52% from the field. The Doc Rivers effect, I guess, 90% at the free-throw line. He's just comfortable. Dwight Howard, always a decent enough fill-in when Embiid sits. Got to be concerned with the free-throw stuff. Utah, they're pretty easy to predict. Slow game for Rudy Gobert, but otherwise this one was generally what you'd expect Jordan Clarkson went crazy he almost had himself a boy on his teammate 40 points eight three-pointers but he did get two steals and one assist so it wasn't completely devoid of other stats Clarkson's been insane this year I can't believe how long he's been able to keep up this kind of run and then that actually launched him forward he's number 67 in nine category leagues this year just a big old step forward and apparently enough usage. Meanwhile, Royce O'Neill, back on one of his little warmer spells 11 points, eight boards, three assists, three steals, three three pointers. Just threes as far as the eye can see. And with this better ball game, Royce moved himself inside the top 90 on the year in nine category leagues. He's now number 89, if you can believe that. I actually have a little trouble believing that as well, considering. The way his fantasy game is built is just so odd. But yet here we are. And he's been durable. He's actually number 67 by total so far this year. So there's every reason in the world to just trot him out there. Hyper durable dude giving you a little bit and everything and not turning the ball over. Cool. Nice nine category guy. A lot to like. A lot to like. He and Dorian Finney-Smith talked about this yesterday I think they're just interesting fantasy guys without being fun that's all Cleveland hung in there for about 20 minutes and then man did the wheels come off in this one I think that game was tied at 42 Warriors the rest of the way outscored the Cavaliers what would that be 87 to 56 not good Bob not great, Bob. Colin Sexton had 23. He was okay. Jetty Osmond had one of his weird warmer games. Jared Allen buried the lead a little bit on today's show, didn't we? Jared Allen, who's the starting center for this team for the foreseeable future, had 13 14 a steal and a couple of blocks. And you're not gonna be able to pry him out of anybody's cold, dead hands at this point. You'd have to You'd have to give up a lot to get Jared Allen. And I probably would, because if this team ever starts to look a little better and like a Kevin Love drops in there and actually helps their offense, and Allen can just go rebound and be a rim runner again. Everything opens up. Also, keep a game competitive, and those guys might play a few extra minutes. I don't know what Colin Sexton's doing playing 42 minutes in this ballgame, but he did. But man, do they stink. The news, of course, is that Andre Drummond is on the trade block, and he, like Blake Griffin, also in the news for the same exact reason, will be sitting. They will be DNPs... Until they get traded or bought out. If you have Blake Griffin, this is a perfectly good reason to move on. If you have Andre Drummond, you have a few choices on your hands. You don't know how long he's going to be getting these healthy DNPs. It could take weeks to move him. Trade deadline is, what, a month away? But either way, Jared Allen is set for a big one. And then a lot of people talking about how Drummond could go to a place where he's just going to crush it. Toronto was the, uh, the team mentioned by Shams in his tweet on monday afternoon um you know I, I don't know that toronto would play him 30 minutes of ball game they they do a lot of floor spacing and running and drummond is a little bit of a dinosaur he can't even shoot anymore his field goal percent isn't good but we get sidetracked uh draymond green who you know two short weeks ago i was wondering aloud will this dude have fantasy value. And all we needed was for the Warriors' entire center core to just vanish simultaneously. They're all gone at the same time. So Dre slid into that center spot. He'd been able to collect steals and blocks and assists. It's been glorious. I do wonder what's going to happen to his fantasy game when the centers come back and he has to slide back down and play power forward because that's not as good a spot for him. He'll still orchestrate. But the spacing won't be the same. The rebounding won't be the same. The ability to get steals and blocks won't be the same. It's maybe a sell moment for Dre. Or, you know, whatever. It just you could ride it out, at, I suppose, because he's piling up assists like they're going out of style. Miami in L.A. to take on the, the zombie Clippers who didn't have Kawhi, didn't have Paul George, didn't have Pat Beverly, and Miami lost anyway because the Heat are just not that good this year. Jimmy Butler triple-doubled. Adebayo nearly triple-doubled. Tyler Hero had 27. Still wasn't enough. Clippers just outgunned him. Duncan Robinson, who's been cold, stayed cold, but he played another 35 minutes, so the job remains his to lose. Meanwhile, Marcus Morris is on a crazy heater. Zubats, who I called a drop yesterday, decided to say, Dan, I've been saving up 22-8 and in this one. And I should really learn my lesson, because it's always the same damn story with Zoo. It, It always levels off he has two games where he plays 16, 17 minutes, all of a sudden he'll have one where he plays 28, and it'll level off to 21 minutes a ballgame. And in 21, 22 minutes a ballgame, he will sit right on the edge of the top 100. Predictable as they come. Lou Williams at 18 and 10, but an inefficient path to it, and such is the great ups and downs of sweet Lou. He remains more of a points league kind of guy, and he will probably fade even, uh, well, maybe he'll hang on to points league value when Kawhi and PG come back, but not 9-cat. Marcus Morris, I guess you can ride while it's happening. I I mean, Nick Batum was out for this one as well, by the way. I think they're trying to keep Marcus Morris's minutes in that 26 range for now. I don't know if that ever gets bumped up. He's been good lately, but again, there are nine category issues here that are only being solved right now because he has giant usage also kelly olenek just got steamrolled in this game i think i think he'll be better in the next one obviously something to keep an eye on if his role begins to fade in any way we will be ready for it but he's been inside the top 100 the whole season and so one clunker you you just sort of forgive him his transgressions brooklyn knocked down 27 three-pointers beat the kings 136 125 no Rashawn Holmes on the Sacramento side, and that immediately means the defense goes completely out the window. Hassan Whiteside, huge game off the bench, and if basically any time that Holmes sits, you can stream Whiteside. Be nice if we had warning to actually pick him up and get him into a lineup, because this was a very late scratch. And presumably, if Holmes was that close, he'll probably be back for the next one. You're gonna see Whiteside getting grabbed off of every waiver wire and then dumped right back onto it. Probably in two to three days. Corey Joseph played a lot. Yuck. I mean, he had a good ball game, but, you know, generally yuck. I, I'm not going to dabble with the Kings right now. They're so streaky, it's nuts. On the Brooklyn side, Kyrie Irving at 40. Another 40 point game tonight. How wild. Julius Randle, Jordan Clarkson, Kyrie Irving, everybody's putting up 40. Big triple-double for James Harden. Jeff Green split his center minutes in this one with DeAndre Jordan. So, I mean, this is what we were worried about. He was okay. This is not above the cut line level play. Thirteen, two assists and a block and three three three-pointers, I guess, is all right. But you want more. I mean, you just want more. And then everybody split the other things. Joe Harris had a quieter game. DeAndre Jordan was okay. Such is the such is the potential when you have the superstars like this. This is one of those games where the superstars did superstar things, and so the other guys weren't particularly necessary. They did have uh, six player, seven players, excuse me, in double figures on that Brooklyn side, but no one took more than ten shots besides Kyrie and Harden. That's your Tuesday recap. Not a not a ton of big pickup drop type of stuff. From Tuesday, and that's okay. Uh, Monday, excuse me. That's your Monday recap. I got my days all mishmashed here. That's your Monday recap. What the hell did I say at the beginning of the podcast? Did I say Monday or Tuesday? Well, you know what day it is. Here's your Tuesday look ahead. <laughs> this is what's going on in poor Dan's brain right now. Your Tuesday look ahead is a six-game card. Denver's in Boston. New Orleans and Memphis. Lakers. We're gonna be without Anthony Davis for a few weeks. Boy. Nice job burying a bunch of leads today, Dan. Portland, Oklahoma City, Toronto, Milwaukee, Brooklyn on the back-to-back in Phoenix. Never an easy back-to-back, by the way, to go from Sacramento to Phoenix. You are losing an hour right now. Daylight Saving Time has not wiped away the Arizona transition because they don't flip-flop. I don't think Indiana or Hawaii does either. The rest of us need to get it together. Daylight Saving Time is dumb tangential thought process here Uh, quickly before we get into the Tuesday look at you guys know that when we finish up the previous night recap which in this case was Monday Dan you idiot this is when we tell you guys the things that are going on mentioned yesterday that we are recruiting on the podcast side if you want to be a part of a team podcast and grow something special a fantasy podcast a gambling whatever it might be whatever your pleasure may be, if you are ready to really sink your teeth into this thing, I don't mean dabbling, I mean really make something special, then hit me up on Twitter, at Dan Vespers or email teamhoopball at hoop-ball.com with the subject line, I want to be a podcaster, or something along those lines. It doesn't have to be exactly that. I'll make sure it gets funneled to me directly, And I can get in touch with you and we can talk things through, see if it's something that really would fit with you. So again, this needs to be a real serious look. Also, mybookie.ag, awesome partners, gave him a lot of love on yesterday's podcast. And a couple of you guys wrote in that you opened up an account, made a deposit, and are looking for that prize. And you'll be happy you did because the prize that I am putting in your hands is, oh, what did he say? Only one way to find out. Go do it. Go to mybookie.ag. Promo code is hoopball. All one word when you sign up. H-O-O-P-B-A-L-L. Unlocks a 50% deposit match bonus if you're into that sort of thing. I actually decline those because there is a rollover requirement and I like to move my money in and out. Which, by the way, I learned how to do Bitcoin and it's quite simple now with these online betting websites. Move money in and out in a matter of minutes. You can make a deposit in about six minutes. You can cash out in like two days. It's very fast these days. That's mybookie.ag, promo code hoopball. Sign up, make a deposit, and hit me up for your prize. Also, manscaped.com. Forgot to tell you about them on yesterday's podcast. They're awesome. They sent me a lot more 3.0. I had a 2.0 from the last time we worked with Manscaped last year. They were like, nah, Dan, you need the upgrade. They're good people over there. Lawnmower 3.0, pinch-free technology, waterproof technology, and a built-in LED light to illuminate the parts of your body while you are grooming. Use coupon code HOOPBALL20 to get 20% off and free shipping on your order. It doesn't have to be the lawnmower. You can get the Weed Whacker, the shears. That's a luxury nail kit. Boxers, powders, deodorants, lotions, whatever it is you might need. Mend... Hygiene and grooming products at Manscaped.com with promo code HoopBall20. Go get them today. And please don't tell me about it when you do. I don't want to know. Denver, Boston. Paul Millsap has a sprained knee. Will Barton is out. So we're going to get some streaming opportunities with the Nuggets here. I'm hoping it's Monty Morris. That would be kind of a fun one if they stuck with a smaller unit. Hard to know, though. We don't have the indication here this early of what their starting lineup is going to look like. It could be Jermichael Green. Whoever gets slotted in has a pretty good opportunity to post some kind of value. Meanwhile, on the Boston side, that's a team that looks tired right now. Jason Tatum looks tired. Kemba looked better in their last ball game, But there aren't really any surprises with Boston these days. Pelicans not playing any defense. Memphis, they're just using everybody. The whole roster gets to play 25 minutes a night. Uh, DeAnthony Melton's still not back. We'll see if Brandon Clark begins to ramp his stuff up. That's really the only main storyline with the Grizzlies or the Pelicans on the fantasy side. Lakers, this is a game worth watching. They're in Minnesota taking on a Timberwolves team that's actually been playing relatively well lately. And I wouldn't be surprised if they did so again here. No Anthony Davis for the Lakers. You could make an argument on the betting side, perhaps, that they play harder in their first game without him. But this is a team that's been kind of hanging on energy-wise with just OT game after overtime action, and finally they got burned when AD got hurt in Denver. Uh, Kyle Kuzma, believe it or not, is probably an ad in most formats with no Anthony Davis. He's been making a concerted effort to rebound, You hope he doesn't take too many free throws. That's probably the one thing you're looking at like, all right, Kyle, just, you know, if your field goal percent is going to stink, get me some threes, get me some boards. Maybe you'll, again, luck into a steal or a block here and there. He's playing harder, doing things besides just scoring, and he may just be an okay fill-in here for two or three weeks. Did not think I'd see the day, but here we are. Montrezl Harrell probably gets a little bump. Lakers will need... A little more out of their big man stuff. And I don't know how they stop anybody without AD. they know their rotations are good, but without that back line of defense, without the rim protection, no Dwight Howard, no JaVale McGee this year. Mark Gasol, Montrez Harrell, those guys are not rim protectors anymore. Gasol because he's not fast enough, and Harrell because he's not tall enough. Montres is a charge taker around the rim. Minnesota looks fun these days. Uh, we'll see if D'Angelo Russell is getting closer. Hopefully he is. This I'm sure would be a fun one for him. Ricky Rubio's looked very good the last couple of ball games in his absence. And you know I've already called Rubio an ad. If D- if Delo's back, you might want to bench Rubio for a game just see how things gel. Cat getting his wind back. Anthony Edwards better by the game. Another guy I think maybe you consider benching if Ru- if. Uh, Russell makes his return, but Edwards has actually been more than good enough to start lately. Would we say since he got inserted into the starting lineup, he's been good enough to start? I don't know. It's been sort of close, but not quite. And then the last, you know, three or four games, he's been able to get up and over that hump because of a couple of defensive stats. That's really what's been able to put the dent into it, because those were missing those first couple of games into the starting lineup. Portland, I don't know how they keep winning, but they do keep winning. They're in Oklahoma City to take on a Thunder team that's uh, tough as hell, man. This is going to be all about who plays on the Oklahoma City side. You know what I'd also like is an update on C.J. McCollum. He's been out for a long time now. When the hell did he play his last ballgame? I think it's been about a month, and they said they were going to evaluate him around a month. So we should be getting a report here some point how the hell isn't there more digging going on with this give me some data toronto in milwaukee eh, not a whole lot going on here raptors they're meh these days milwaukee they've been meh these days without drew holiday they're back off a long road trip bucks lost in oklahoma city we'll see if they have the gusto here coming back home or if there's going to be a bit of a road trip hangover and then Brooklyn and Phoenix on the back to back Suns are favored by 2 that's astounding I guess there's an expectation that there might be somebody missing on the Brooklyn side that is really interesting Phoenix by the way they're seven game homestand they're 6 and 0 right now this is the finale of it and they've been great this should be a pretty fun ball game i i don't like I like fading Brooklyn when they're laying a bunch of points because you know even what we saw with the Kings they went on these giant runs and then Sacramento was able to get eight nine ten points back pretty quickly. Brooklyn's defense improving a little bit right now. They're they're winning games with offense. It's hard for me not to take the Nets when they're catching points, but we'll wait and see. There may be a personnel thing going on here. Fantasy wise. With Phoenix, you know, Booker, he's been getting better. Chris Paul, he's settled in. I'd love to see more out of DeAndre Ayton. He should crush against Brooklyn. Tell me DeAndre Jordan can stay the Battle of DeAndre's, one of whom has a capital A in in his first name, which will prevail. Certainly the story of the night. Ha, ha, ha. Uh, Brooklyn side, you know, it seems more and more like there isn't going to be anything beyond the main four, and Joe Harris is the fourth. Now we'll go ahead and put a pin in things there. That's your Tuesday look ahead. I don't know how many times I said the wrong day on today's podcast. I need more rest. This is Fantasy NBA Today. I am Dan Bespers. Folks, thanks again for all the reviews you've been dropping on the show lately. A ton of five-star reviews have come in. Really want to see if we can get to that 625 mark. So if you haven't done it before, Please do so now. I will, as I've said before, love you forever. At Dan Baspers on Twitter, D A N B E S B R I S, and please do check out our YouTube channel, YouTube.com/slash/HoopBall. We are having instant reaction shows here: the Drummond trade news, the Anthony Davis injury report. This is stuff that you cannot get in our traditional podcast channels. You can get it some of it on Twitter, but in so much more detail. This is a souped-up iteration of the HoopBall YouTube page, and we're about to put some more uh, effort ducats into it, make it look a little bit fancier, too. So check that out, youtube.com slash HoopBall. Didn't even tell you guys to buy anything today. Isn't that nice of me? Only free stuff. Only free stuff. Look forward to hearing from you guys in whatever manner is easiest to you. Enjoy the games this evening. Back at you. Giant Wednesday preview coming up on tomorrow's show. I am Dan Vasperus. So long.